Well, hello there. Uh, welcome to the Clockwork King podcast. Um, my name is Jay Thomas Bowman. Uh, I'm your <clears throat> presenter, uh, writer, babbler, extraordinaire. Uh, I'm the guy who likes to listen to myself talk. Um, so, what is this and, and what are we doing here? So, this is an audiobook. It's also a podcast. Uh, what this is, this is a book, a manuscript that I worked on years and years ago. Um, and it's a pretty cool story, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but I am incredibly lazy. And as much as I like writing cool stories about cool people, uh, the fun part, the admin side of it, uh, stinks. I don't like it. So the query letters and uh, emails to literary agents and uh, pursuing that side of it whenever maybe it wasn't even going to get pushed through to begin with. Uh, I hate all of that. And so I just wrote this and then sat on it. Uh, I read it to my kids. Um, I reread it myself. And then it just hung out. Um, but I wanted to get out into the world. Uh, even if it's just another person listening to it, or even if this podcast just happens to be a place for this thing to live until my kids go back and listen to it another time, uh, that's just fine. Nobody has to be here for me to enjoy doing it, uh, but it'd be awful cool if you hung around while we did it. Um, <clears throat> so a little bit about the structure of this. Uh, this is... Um, going to be a weekly podcast. Uh, I'm going to get a couple uploaded initially just so some people have a little bit of content to, to pour through if they'd like. Um, after that, we're going to do uh, each episode will typically be a little bit of admin on the front, a very quick recap, uh, the content of the story as read by me, although it wasn't initially um, what I was going to do, but I'll talk about that uh, in the outro. And uh, then a real quick outro with, uh, you know, maybe discussing some comments if I get them, um, talking about social media stuff, where you can find it, um, how you can interact with me if you'd like. Uh, that's that's what this is going to be. Um, uh, each episode is, is going to be one chapter of the book, more or less. Uh, we're hoping to keep it relatively short, um, about 20 minutes worth of content. I know that in the uh, the few audiobooks I've listened to, uh, I prefer to read, but in the few audiobooks I've listened to, uh, because I listen passively very often uh, while I'm working you know, the day job, um, it's easy for me to kind of get lost, to space out, to miss a thing, uh, and then come back 42 minutes in and go, wait, who is that? Who, who is that? Did, when did he get here? Um, so rather than do that to everybody, we're going to try to make it, you know, maybe 20 minutes worth of story, um, just enough to, to move you along, uh, without spacing out. Um, <clears throat> at some point also I'll compile some of the chapters, maybe every five or so into a much longer episode with a very short intro, a very short outro and just two hours worth of story. Uh, that way people who come along in the middle of this, if they don't want to listen to the, the front end and the back end of it, the admin stuff, the day-to-day, -day, uh, they can just 
get a big chunk of it out of the way and then maybe pick up uh, on whatever current podcast we happen to be on. Um, but that is what we're hoping for. Um, let's see if we can make it happen. All right, and the uh, the story itself um, was is uh, meant to be part of a trilogy, like so many books are. Um, this is the first one in it, uh, the Clockwork King. Uh, it's cool fantasy, um, swords, magical weapons, uh, magic. You know, maybe some monsters. Who knows? Um, typical fantasy, but it's fun. The stuff that I like to read uh, was never end-of-the-world apocalyptic. We have to uh, do X in order to save the universe. Uh, it, was the, uh, it was the loot grabs, right? Think, um, oh, Dragonlance. Right? Dragonlance was just a fun thing. Uh, the Icewind Dell trilogy. Drizzed. Uh, I think there was maybe one called Rune Lords, which was great uh, initially. Those were the cool things, the ones that I wanted to read. Uh, fun and funny characters doing cool things with cool stuff. And so that's what I wrote. Um, so, if that's what you want to listen to, here you are. Uh, and so, without dragging this intro out uh, too much longer, we're going to dive right into the first chapter. Um, you'll have plenty of time to listen to me if you have plenty of time to listen to this. Uh, so the first chapter is Considering Shrubbery. Uh, here we go. Considering shrubbery, the sharp hiss at his left ear ruffled the hair just above and caused Wren to freeze momentarily. He shook himself and continued on with only a minor stumble. He didn't know what had just shot past his head, nor did he truly care at this point. This whole adventure was just getting absurd. Who did this sneak catcher think he was? Did he not know who he was chasing? He must not, or he would have given up long before now. Ren Quickstep was unstoppable. Or, at the least, that's what he told himself in mid-pursuit. Ren paused momentarily to sniff at the chill night's air, then dashed off once more along the small alley that lay just north of the wharf road. He turned this way and that within the tangled maze of brick that he knew so well, banging off of walls as he raced at breakneck speed through the stone warren, he could hear his pursuer behind, maybe twenty paces back. The man seemed to be slowing, his breath came in labored gasps, and Wren could hear his gait gain an unsteady rhythm. He had no clue why this chase had lasted so long. It wasn't a big house, nor had he actually gotten away with anything that expensive. He could only suppose that this time the sneak catcher had something to lose. Maybe it was his job, or maybe his head. There really was no way to tell how far this rat was indebted to the owner of the estate. Usually the chase would last for a bit, never more than four or five turns in this labyrinth. But this had been going on for near on ten minutes, and Wren was thinking about tossing aside the thick purple velvet sack that held his take just to bring an end to this absurd race. The few thin rings that were the only treasure that he had had time to procure before being interrupted by what he could only guess was the lady of the house. As he raced forward, bouncing off of moss-covered walls, he couldn't help but to think back on the events and a mistake 
that had brought him to this point in the night. His only mistake had occurred when he hadn't properly cleared the room, making sure that there was no one else around to see or hear what was taking place. Upon hearing him knock over something valuable, and he could tell that it was valuable, cheap things did not shatter so loudly. She had let out a yowl that a cougar would be proud of. She then shot Bolt upright in bed and acquired her target. Within seconds, she began to pelt him viciously with satin-covered, goose-down missiles, all the while crowing at the top of her lungs for the guards. Wren hadn't waited to find out how many guards the house staffed, nor did he wait to see if there was to be pursuit. He only expected it, diving out of the open, third-story window that he had entered from. As he did, the toe of his slipper caught on the windowsill, causing Wren to take a hard fall down to the second-story balcony. He landed gracefully on his hands and knees in the most feline of matters. He was surprised the cats never winced when they landed, because as much as he emulated their form, it still hurt like fire in his bones. Wren leapt to his feet, albeit a bit more stiffly than he would have liked, and scanned his surroundings. He checked the new balcony for any signs of danger, and, barring that, possibly something of a reasonable value to take with him for his troubles. Noticing nothing of any great import, he stretched his back, straightening his arms upward to the white moon that hung above. He then arched his spine and twisted, cracking loose the tension that the night had brought to it. The move brought into view the second and smaller moon that was now chasing the white giant through the sky. The purple orb had closed the gap, indicating that more of the night had passed than he would have imagined. Silence reigned over the estate for the moment. It was a rather nice night to be out, considering. But Wren was sure that that wouldn't last long. None of the elite in the city would suffer an intruder without some form of recourse. There was always a price to pay, if you allowed yourself to be caught. Wren walked to the edge of the balcony. Before him stood a small, white marble wall that edged in the space. He studies its smooth surface, the marble seemed to glow in the white light of the moon above. It was streaked with purple and covered over with some variety of trumpet vine that wrapped itself in and out of the smooth columns. He reached out his left foot and placed it squarely against a squat marble pillar to check its sturdiness. If he were to hang from it to lower himself down, he would want the thing to be able to support his full weight. It just wouldn't do to have the owners find him laying in the front green in the morning with a split skull and a large chunk of their balcony beside him. Wren leaned forward, pressing with his leg against a wall which didn't budge an inch. It was sturdy enough, for his purposes at the least. He stepped forward a pace and turned back toward the mansion. Wren settled himself and began the maneuver. As he did, the smallest of sounds from above drew his attention, the scuff of leather on stone. Wren's eyes shot to the balcony above, just in time to see a figure, a black silhouette, squatting on the railing above. The silhouette was man-shaped, and while it was but a black outline, he could see two glowing purple-red spheres where there should have been a shadowed face. His breath caught in his throat. This was no ordinary sneak catcher. Someone had invested in the man. Wren wasn't sure the purpose of those eyes, only that they were something special. Upon spotting the scarlet-eyed stranger, Wren forgot where he was and what he was about to do. 
All he could manage was to scramble backward, his legs going up and his head turning down. Wren soon found himself falling headfirst into a rather pointy shrub. He hit and rolled, becoming tangled in the foliage, but thanking it nonetheless for softening what could have been a devastating fall. As he scanned the roof line above, he patted and thanked the fortuitously placed shrubbery. The fall had put Wren's head back where it should have been, metaphorically speaking, of course. No one's head should be wedged in between two branches and what seemed to be a rather large taxis. Wren considered the situation at hand and remembered that he had faced down many a sneak catcher in his days on the rooftops, and none had ever come close to matching his skill or speed. So, fancy eyes or no fancy eyes, he would outpace this one too. Wren extricated himself from the bush and looked back to the third-story balcony to check for pursuit. The shadow was gone, which meant that the hunt was now to begin improper. He turned his back to the manor and dashed off into the shadows of the garden. He needed to get to the alleyways. That was where he was more at home. Wren needed to make haste before that modified snitch caught up to him. As he raced through the garden, he took several hard shots to his shins and elbows before finally escaping the grounds, though none that were avoidable to be sure. The places that people chose to build garden fences and low stone walls made no sense whatsoever. Those with money had a terrible eye for design, so far as he was concerned. As he vaulted the main wall of the estate, he turned back once more and looked into the shadow that coated the grounds in this early hour of the morning. Behind him, very close behind, came a set of purple orbs that moved in a too smooth line toward him. Rather than fighting in the garden on unfamiliar ground, Wren dashed off into the city proper. That had all taken place some ten minutes ago, from the best he could tell, leaving Wren to wonder how and why he still held the pilfered jewelry when he could have ended all of this so easily. Sneak catchers would stop once they recovered whatever was taken. Hells above and below, most of the lazy bums would give up 20 feet into the alleys. It just didn't feel right that he should have to work so hard for this night's take. If he wanted to work hard, he would have gotten a proper job. As for the anomaly that pursued him, all of the well-to-do homes within City Laysan staffed at least one sneak catcher. It was the posh thing to do these days. Though, with people like Ren Quickstep roaming the night, he couldn't blame them for doing as much. The poor unfortunates that chased him night in and night out were usually failed criminals, unable to support themselves with good, honest thievery, and so they would turn to snitching, or as good as. And the bureaucracy hired them on in droves, assuming that a life lived in the streets meant some proficiency in running them, which was almost never true. Though in this case, he had to give his adversary credit where credit was due. He had kept up far longer than most, but not long, not now. Wren knew that he was nearing the South Central Square, the Pauper's Den, as it was more lovingly known. Even though the night fully controlled the sky, the second moon throwing pale purple shadows and all that it touched, the square still held people. The sounds of carousing rang out into the night. He knew that this chase had to end soon, and so he meant to do just that. As he neared a sharp bend in the alley, rather than throwing himself into the turn and trying to pull away from his pursuer with foot speed, he instead slowed just a bit, 
enough to get his feet under him, enough to center himself, preparing for the leap that was to come. Wren ran directly at the wall, leaping when he was two strides away from the brick. He soared through the air, placing his left foot on the wall itself, which slipped on the lichen that covered the ancient stone. Wren used his forward momentum and a sharp kick down to power himself higher up the wall. When he had reached the jump's zenith, he stretched up, grabbing the gutter that capped the home's wall, pulling himself the remainder of the way to the top. Wren steadied himself and looked back down the 15 feet that he had just covered with the acrobatic maneuver. At the bottom of the wall stood a man not much older than himself, maybe 18 years of age. The glow was gone from his eyes, so maybe not a modification then, but rather some piece of equipment that had been forged. Or, if not that, then maybe moonlace drops or dark spark dust to coat the retinas. He had seen both used to some minor effect, but never with that eerie purple glow attached to them. The young man was fit, no doubt about that, but more heavily muscled than Wren. The sneak catcher stood with his hands on his knees, breathing hard. He was near on doubled at the waist, but he looked up at Wren, craning his neck and almost making eye contact, but for the night's gloom. He was breathing hard, the sharp, short sound ringing against the walls that surrounded him. It was a damn fine chase, Snitch. You did all you could. There's no shame in not nabbing me. Many have tried before you, and many will after. You were just outclassed. I'll be sure to tell your lady of all the efforts you put into the night, the next time I'm around the house. He couldn't help but smile, showing winningly white teeth in the pale light of the white moon. Wren stepped back a bit from the ledge, lets this treacherous dog try something whilst he contemplated his next move. Now don't move down there. I'm just thinking. Give me a minute. He ran his, ha ran his hand through his short-cropped silver hair, appreciating the breeze that blew across the rooftops, carrying away perspiration and cooling his overheated form. He stepped back even further from the edge of the roof. The sneak catcher still stood at the base of the wall, silent, looking up expectantly. Well, just to show you that I'm not such a bad guy and that I really do appreciate how hard you work tonight. Here, you can have this back. Wren tossed the small sack over the edge, sending it down into the gloom of the alley. The sneak catcher snatched it deftly from the air with one hand. The teen peered inside, pulling the drawstrings closed after inspection. Uh, why? Was all that he said, though he seemed to put a great bit of bewilderment into that one short syllable. Well, it wasn't that much to begin with, and it certainly won't be my last score. It won't do all that much for me, but for you, you look like a great man, like a champion returning from battle. You can say that you took me down and wrested that treasure from my lecherous, unsophisticated hands. Tell them that just as you were about to deliver justice, a pack of street hoods set upon you, and it was all that you could do to escape with your benefactor's belongings. They can't expect you to take on all 15 of us, after all, can they? Make some big story of it. I don't care. Wow them all. You have your proof of your victory. It's right there. The sneak catcher's face ran through every emotion that one could express over the span of several heartbeats. He then seemed to steel himself as if composing his thoughts. He readied himself to speak, then stopped, battled with himself once more, then continued on. I don't need your damn pity. Ah, 
Ren cut him off with a raised hand. If you'd like, I can come back down there and beat you severely about the head and neck. Make it look like you took a good thumping in your escape. Another quick and easy smile spread across his face as he ran his hands down the front of his coat, smoothing away wrinkles that were never there. He was feeling downright cheery tonight and rather beneficent. Or, if you'd like, I could possibly come down there and take those fancy eyes of yours. Wren was surprised to find that at some point following that statement, he had drawn one of his daggers and was running his finger over the silvery blade. Shot crossed the youth's face. No, uh, no, 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 no. Just, just this. Uh, and you're right. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I suppose. The tough turned his back, stopped as if deliberating his next move. His internal struggle raged on, and then he turned once more to face Wren. This young man was hell-bent on getting out whatever it was that he was fighting himself to say. He looked up and extended one thick finger, pointing it at the center of Wren's chest. And don't come back! What? What? Why, you ungrateful little! Wren started forward but the thug had already begun to beat a quick retreat down the alley from whence he had come. He couldn't help but to notice that on the tough's back hung a real crossbow, unloaded, or, rather, as Wren now saw it, recently discharged. So that accounted for the hiss that had whispered in his ear some minutes earlier. He moved his hand back to his ear and paused. He sighed, and couldn't help but to think that times must be getting serious in the biggest states around City Laysan, if they were now using lethal force to stop petty crimes. Wren shrugged and brushed aside the sneak catcher's last comment and the brief shock that it had delivered, causing him to break his cool and calm exterior. He turned to face west in the direction of the South Square, which was odd now that he thought about it, and scented the air in the same fashion that an animal would. The wind carried on at the smell of roasting meat and the subtle sense of spring, and all backed by an acrid undertone. He smiled to himself and looked to the heavens. Yes, it was a beautiful night. And now what to do with it? He checked his person, feeling about himself to make sure that he had lost nothing important during the chase. His two ever-present daggers were still on him, one on his hip and the other in his hand. He quickly remedied that, sliding the second into its work-leather sheath that hung opposite its partner. It just wouldn't do to lose the only things his deadbeat father had ever given him. His rope was over his left shoulder. Wren took a second and folded the mechanical grapnel in upon itself so that it wouldn't ruin his new coat. His pack was where it always rested, coin belt, coin pouch, check and check, second money belt and secret coin pocket, double check, double secret, extra full coin pouch, check. He shook the ladder, checking its weight with an august hand. He had more than enough to carry him along for weeks, maybe months if he decided to live like the normies. But then who would want to do that? He tasted the wind once more, smacked his lips, and then came to an easy decision. Drinks. All right, uh, there we have it, the first episode, uh, first chapter of the book, uh, in the books. Um, oh, just a, a, a little thing. If you're still listening, hopefully you're still listening. Hopefully that hung on to you for a little bit. Um, in between breaks, if there's ever a break in a chapter, I'll put some chime, some bell in there to indicate 
uh, just so you know, um, and then once again at the end of the story, you know, between the, uh, uh, well, between the intro and outro, uh, just a little indication. So if you're listening, it wakes you up. Um, yeah, so that's what that is. All right. Uh, also, just a, a little inside baseball, I guess. Uh, this is actually the third first episode, third first chapter. Um, so this podcast, uh, well, I don't, I think everybody hates the way their voice sounds, um, which is, is pretty natural. I don't, I don't mind mine so much, but I, I am aware that I have a bit of an accent. And so initially, I didn't want to do this uh, because some that might bother some people, right? Uh, I'm I'm from uh, I'm from Kentucky. Uh, come and find me, I guess. Um, but I also sound like I am, and it's not so bad as some people. But it is uh, certainly not that coastal uh, coastal accent that that most people are accustomed to in media. Uh, and so I had found um, a text to speech app, and I thought that I could just lazily throw this text in there and then let a robot read to people. So the initial upload of this was me babbling awkwardly, more awkwardly, into a mic with a robot speed reading the text and then me, again, trying to explain why that was going to be okay. Um, Immediately got feedback that that wasn't going to work. And so I went back and I read it again myself. Uh, The problem with that being that I, I feel like a nut job talking to myself in my kitchen in a microphone. Um... And so, I was uncomfortable doing as much. Uh, no other way to say it. So my voice, you know, I was I was being a little too quiet. It was like I was telling a secret to everybody, but the mic wasn't picking it up. Um, also, I hadn't read out loud in like twenty years. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so it was a difficult thing. So the first episode, so uh, the first chapter of this, you know, the first two uploads were were pretty rough. And this one ain't great either, by the way. I'm not saying this is good. Uh, but I then went on and did five more, which I became much more comfortable with. Um, at least talking into this and, and understanding that, um, you know, you're here to listen to it or, or you're not, and, and either way is fine. And so that, that gave me a little bit of, of confidence in doing this. So um, if you're going to re- listen to the second one, read the second one. If you're going to listen to the second one, it's going to sound a little less good than this because I'm a little less practiced than I am doing this. Um, but they get better, and it, it doesn't take very long, I think, by the fifth episode. And I'm once again, the fifth one ain't that great either. Um, it's it's a lot like that because I, I just did it, you know. But um, the quality is going to keep getting better because I'm getting better at this and I'm becoming more accustomed to it. And uh, so... This is the this is the third first episode, and uh, hopefully, you know this one is uh, this one hangs on to some people. Anyways, uh, some sort of back end admin stuff that I haven't quite done yet. Um, oh, the story, the book, the book, um, the Clockwork King. It's thirty eight chapters long. We're essentially going to do one chapter per episode. So I'm here for the long haul, and then I'm also going to throw those those. Uh, Supercut episodes in every now and again. You know, hopefully you're here for it. Um, that'd be pretty sick. Uh, the admin stuff, uh, I haven't got it all yet. 
Um, but I'm going to end up having a, a YouTube channel. Uh, I, there's no uploads on it yet. It's already there, though. Uh, feel free to subscribe to an empty YouTube channel if you want. Um, you can just search it, the Clockwork King, uh, Clockwork King podcast. Um, it'll come up. I've got a Twitter, which we're getting right now. See, this is how much more comfortable I am that I don't care. Uh, you can follow me at JTB Clockwork. Uh, that is a J. Thomas Bowman Clockwork. Um, and that'll come up, and the only thing I'm going to use that for is uh, possibly answering questions, if anybody has any, but really just posting whenever I put up a new episode, the, the, the day of the week, whatever day of the week it happens to be uploaded. Um, you can find this, well, you can find it right where you found it already, but wherever you find podcasts, um, if you enjoyed this, please come back for the second one. Um, nobody likes cooking a dinner that nobody eats. And, uh, as much as I don't mind this going out into the void, it'd be cool if somebody was enjoying it. So I'd love to have you back. Um, I think that's it. That was one of the big problems initially was trying to get everything in. You know what? I've got another 37 to, to give all the information out in. So, um, hey, thanks for listening. Great to have you here. Have a good one.